0: From Brown Cow Studios in Montana, this is News Nerds, the news podcast. On this week's episode, Peg Mulqueen. She is a yoga instructor based in Bozeman, Montana. She tells us more about her yoga experiences and the Ashtanga Dispatch. Also on this week's episode, the Geographical Location Challenge. We have new results there. And the Galapagos Tortoise in our Wildlife Journal segment what it does, what it eats, and more. Also, new results to our Listener Challenge. We have a winner from last week's Listener Challenge, and we also have the answer. You can hear that and more on this week's episode of News Nerds, the news podcast. I'm your host, Ezra Graham. Ah. We have a winner for the News Nerds Listener Challenge. That lucky person is Sarah McCormick in Virginia. Now, Sarah correctly answered pelican and pencil. To refresh your minds, the question from last week was name a first first name a bird, that would be the pelican, then rearrange the letters in that bird's name to name a common office supply item, which would be the pencil. And for getting the correct answer, Sarah McCormick will be receiving a News Nerds bag as well as other news nerds gifts including business cards and postcards and stickers as well as the main gift which is the 2021 planner that was discussed last week now we'll have new listener challenges in the upcoming episodes so stay tuned for that and for now bye bye In just a second, we're going to go to my interview with Peg Mulqueen. She is a yoga instructor based in Bozeman, Montana. Former counselor and current yoga teacher Peg Mulqueen joins us from Bozeman, Montana. Welcome. I want to start off with the question, how did you first discover Ashtanga yoga which is the the kind of yoga that you are teaching presently?
1: Well, the way I started yoga was quite by accident. Like I wasn't really into yoga. You know, I just thought yoga was like a bunch of people sitting around and and I was Oh, in my mid thirties. And and I was busy, man. I was busy. I was working on a doctorate. I was teaching full time. I had two small kids and I didn't have time to be sitting around and breathing. <laughs> but yes, I, I really needed to. But so I was taking a kickboxing class. That's what I was doing. I was taking a kickboxing class and some of the people in there we're taking yoga on the side just for kind of flexibility, right? So I started taking a yoga class that was across the street from the dojo, from where I was taking my kickboxing. And you know, if you know anything about yoga, it's, there, there is, of course, a lot of stretching. There's some exercises. And at the end, people lay down and rest, right? You rest afterwards. I would leave. Like at that time, I would pick up my stuff and tiptoe out of the room and go to my kickboxing class but it's weird how when you start things they start to work on you you know so i wasn't interested at all i was doing it as sort of just a way so that i could stay flexible and i could do my kickboxing i left when everybody laid down and rested but it was drawing me and it was probably more of what i It wasn't probably, it definitely was more of what I needed. Like I already told you, my life was like go, 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 go. And then I was using my exercise as another go, 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 go. And really, what I needed to do was slow the heck down. (laughs) And And I think it just started to really feel good and resonate. So I didn't have a lot of words around it. It wasn't a plan, but it started to work, even though I resisted. And as you know like anything that you get interested in once it hooks you then you start like finding out more about it right you start learning more kind of like it sounds like with your podcast I mean you 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 know a lot about podcasting already but when you get interested you start to want to know more learn more and so that's I think how it kind of hooked me
0: So for listeners who don't know, what is the style of Ashtanga yoga and what makes Ashtanga different from different types of yoga?
1: Wow, that's a great question. Well, Ashtanga yoga, it's kind of like math. You know, when you're learning math, you start off with, I don't know, arithmetic right you always start off learning the numbers and then you start doing arithmetic and and then time, you know subtraction and then times tables but you learn a basic right a, you learn the basic um sequence like playing scales if you play the piano or, or musician and then you start building on those right you start making them a little bit more complicated or complex but they all follow a formula or rhythm So it's not like we're making it up every time. You know what I mean? Like in art, you would come in. So it would be be less like an art class, but there are a lot of yoga classes that are like that where you would paint a different picture every time and it would kind of be what you felt like that day. This is a little bit more along the math and science route and less along the art and and play route. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Like there is a formula you're repeating, your, it's a routine and there's benefit in that and having a routine. I bet you know that like going to bed at the same time, waking up at the same time, you probably eat around the same time. So, you know, everything's kind of on a schedule and that's how, that's how we start to feel rooted and grounded. And especially like, you know what, to be honest with you, especially in times like this as like right now where everything's up in the air and all this change is going on. And I mean, from day to day with the pandemic, we don't know what we're doing, what's happening. And it just seems so, it can be kind of scary when things change so rapidly like that. So it's nice to have a practice that doesn't change a whole lot. That can keep you steady. That can keep you kind of rooted. It's kind of like having your same breakfast cereal in the morning and waking up at the same time and kind of having that that routine to keep you grounded. So that's where Ashtanga yoga differs from a lot of other yogas. So if I was an instructor in another yoga style, I might come in and it might be just whatever I wanted to teach that day, right? But this is not like that. It's, um, it's not dependent on me, the teacher. It's actually just the method, the practice like arithmetic would be. It's not about the teacher teaching it. There are set formulas and you learn it at your own pace as a student. So you don't like, you're not going to walk into a math class and somebody's going to go today. We're going to do long division, you know, and you've never done subtraction. They're going to, yeah. And, and it doesn't matter how long it takes. You just kind of just go at your own pace and keep building upon it.
0: So you started the Ashtanga Dispatch and you have a website, the Ashtanga Dispatch website. It's ashtanga So what is the mission of the Ashtanga Dispatch?
1: It was always about building community. It was always about bringing people together. Like that is the most important thing. And, and having people feel welcome as they are. You know, not like you have to be somebody or do something to belong, but you belong automatically. And I think especially this year, we can see we need each other, you know, and this, this way of connecting online, you know, there are a lot of people, a lot of people will write me in the very beginning, especially when we started Stronger Dispatch, people would be in these really quiet, isolated corners of the world. and they wouldn't have a yoga community. There was no yoga studio. Um, and, but we would have our online community. So they would feel apart through the podcast, um, or, you know, even through social media platforms, but it's really important that we feel part of something bigger and connected. And again, that's something that supports us through really difficult times and hardships like like this year's been, you know, to have that. And especially when you're living, like, think about it, Bozeman, Montana. I mean, we're kind of isolated a little too. We're out in the middle of nowhere. and, And it's nice to feel part of something that is more global and bigger than just, you know, Bozeman. So that was, that was the original, that was why we started was just so that people could feel welcome have a sense of belonging and a sense of community, no matter where they were or who they were.
0: So explain the courses that Ashtanga Dispatch offers uh, both, both virtual and for the pandemic in person.
1: Right now we're not doing anything in person, actually, unfortunately. Usually I would be traveling around and doing that, but we're not. What we are offering right now are classes that go beyond just the uh, physical part of yoga, but along more the philosophical side of yoga and the psychology part, because of course I was a counselor. And so in yoga, there, is, there are some wonderful texts, like just kind of teaching us about ourselves. And so we incorporate those texts in with the yoga practice and we hold virtual classes or courses Like, like our next one is starting the new year, how to begin 2021, right? I mean, it's like, huh, a a new year is coming. There's a lot of hope in that. And there's a, there's something really beautiful about having a fresh start, but there's also something that's kind of intimidating about it too. You know, it's like a blank page. It's like, oh my gosh, I think we're all afraid to, to even have any ideas about what next year is going to look like. There's something good about thinking about the years, not in milestones or changing and just say, keep going, just keep going. But there's also something good about saying reset. You know what I mean? Like let go of the disappointments of this year and, you know, kind of go through your pack and see, like, leave some of that stuff behind. And a lot of the stuff, like leaving behind things that maybe we did before the pandemic that kind of got taken away from us this past year. And so sometimes we, we get really disappointed about the things we're losing or missing, but there's this whole wide open space that's been opened that we get to discover something new that we might not have known or could have imagined without that space being opened up. And so yeah, it's nice to kind of sit back and go, hey, let's look at this past year. What are the things that I actually don't miss? What are the ways that I actually want to take these qualities? Like for me, in all the changes, what amazes me is that what's most important never changed. So like all these things I've lost, all these big changes that have happened, and yet what's most important didn't change at all for me. And that's kind of reassuring.
0: I am never very good at New Year's resolutions because I don't... <laughs> that's not my strong point. So you are also a podcaster. So that's the Ashtanga Dispatch podcast. Could
1: you tell me about it? Okay, really? So this, we started six years ago, seven, it's, it's seven, years ago, right? 2013. Man, you're good. Okay, so you know, and I don't know. Yeah, seven years ago, we started. <laughs> and so this is how it worked. I have a friend and his name is Chris and Chris was watching the stuff that I was doing on Ashanga Dispatch. And he said to me, Hey Peg, you should do a podcast. And you know what I said? Do people listen to those? <laughs> and he said, do you remember when Serial came out? Serial was like a huge hit. It was like looking at an old murder case and opening it up. And it became like a sensation. Everybody was listening to it. It was, there weren't that many podcasts out, but that one really got people's attention. People loved it. And he asked me if I'd heard of it. And at that time I said, no. So I went and listened to Serial and I started the podcast and he was my producer and editor. So he did everything for me. And it was when I started podcasting, I didn't really know anything about it. And in some ways, I think seven years ago, I was better at it than I am now. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's like the more I know, the more self-conscious I become and the more I'm aware of how I don't do it right. Like when you just said to me, "You you do it monthly, right? And I said, no, I'm terrible. (laughs) Do it whenever the mood strikes me. And, but back seven years ago, I wouldn't have known that you had to do it at a certain schedule or I just didn't know any of those things. So I was a lot more free to be me and to approach it in a, I don't know, a more fun and playful way. It felt more creative. Now I'm, I, I think I've lost a little bit of that, a little bit of connection with my instinct and and intuition. That same reason when Chris said to me, you should do a podcast. And I was like, okay. (laughs) Now I'm like, oh my gosh, I have to edit. I have to make it sound perfect. I have to get, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's your podcast. Like there isn't a rule. You can make this a reflection of you if you're brave enough. And that's what it takes is courage, right? Courage to be you and not be someone else or the way other people have expected it to form. I don't know. I think that's really a, a it's something that the more you learn, the harder it is not to know. Do you know what I mean? Like when you don't know anything, you can just approach it like that because you don't know any better. Mm-hmm. And so you can be really you. The more you start to study and learn, not to say you shouldn't study and learn, but the more you do, the less free you feel to be you and the more obligated you feel to be what other people expect.
0: So what is the process of putting your podcast episodes together and what is the behind the scenes work in your podcast specifically?
1: Well the podcast putting together, we we use Zoom now, just like you're using. And I basically just reach out to people that, I don't know, that inspire me, that I think are cool, that I want to talk to. And I do have a friend who's a musician in Scotland. He's amazing. And um, he has recorded, he has recorded um, music for us. And Mm -hmm. that's like, that's amazing. Like I'm so like tickled. Um, that we have that. But so I put that together behind the scenes. I put the, the audio and the music and, um, and then just upload. Although mm-hmm. I do
0: edit a lot. It was, we're on the wild west here. So we're experiencing like the, the wifi shortage. And also I had to delay my podcast one time because our cows uh, broke the fence and headed like
1: three miles across the road. <laughs> so this is what other podcasters don't have to deal with. No. Cows, cows breaking down the fence and then wandering across the road and messing with like your whole schedule and your inner. No, I'm totally with you. So it is a little bit of a longer process. And for me, that's not the part that I love. That behind the scenes and that technical stuff is not like my thing. I love sitting and talking to you right now and talking to people on the internet, but I don't really love the behind the scenes. And I think that's probably why they don't go out as often.
0: Now transitioning to um, the back to the website. So your daughter, Megan Powell, has a great selection of her photos um, put onto the website. So she is a photographer and she is located at the website, meganpowellphotography.com. So what is her part on the Ashtanga Dispatch website and what was her part in creating this?
1: Oh gosh, she is my, she is my right hand. Well, first of all, she is now But do you know in the beginning, she didn't want anything to do with yoga. I mean, she would say to me, mom, that's your thing. I mean, you know how like you don't want to do what your parents do. Not especially, you know, when she was younger, she was like, that's your thing. So she actually did not want anything to do with the yoga practice. But then invariably, it's kind of like I told you how I began. It's like I was resistant too. I was like, "Mm, that's not for me. And it's funny that when you start to experience things, they start to draw you in, but also that's like part of growing up. I think that when kids are younger, your job is to like figure out who you are and not to be just who your parents are, you know? Like not just to do what your parents do. You kind of got to figure out who you are and what are your likes and what do you want to do? And so I think that she went all the way away, right? Because she didn't want to be. can you hear my dogs yeah more and more she started to um find her way back and probably in her early 20s i know (laughs) you know that little one that's yapping that's really loud is from india that was when megan and i went to india to study yoga we brought home two puppies from india and yeah and she sounds just like india right now like (laughs) that's what india sounds like only there's a lot more of them um So then she, and and actually that India trip, the one before that was when I think she really decided that she loved this practice. I think first she was just going with me because she wanted to travel. Like she just wanted to go to India. And so the yoga was kind of like something she was going to do with me just so she could go to India. (laughs) But then as she started to practice every day, I think she really started to love it. And she loved it on her own, not because it was mine, not because I was her mom, but because actually she enjoyed practicing. So then as, as she became more involved in the practice, it made sense that we would start to do this together, but she's a little bit more shy than, than I am probably. She's more, a little bit more introverted. So being on camera, um, and having her voice out there was, That was a little bit of a hurdle. That was a little bit of a step. So in the beginning, she was sort of behind the scenes. She did all the picture taking, she did all the video, but now, man, I just want her to be in front. Like, I'm like, people don't need to see me as much as (laughs) put Megan out there. And actually she's really good. She's really good with video and, um, she's a natural, you know, she's just real natural in front of the camera and the internet doesn't, uh, for me, it's, I'm a, a lot better in person, I think. It's more comfortable for me. I didn't grow up with all of this technology, even though we have a website that's online. You know, It's still like I'm learning and um, it's not as seamless. For her, it's very seamless. So she can really come through on camera and be online. And so more and more, I find that she's sort of taking the spotlight and I'm sort of going in, I'm going in the background now which is fine. (laughs) So we talked a
0: little bit about your travel to India. So where has your yoga taken
1: you across the world? Wow. Well, we've been, we spent a lot of time in Scotland, England, Canada, Costa Rica. I feel like that might be, that might be it. We were, I was supposed to go to Amsterdam, um, Amsterdam this year, but that didn't, obviously that didn't happen. But scotland is one of my favorite places it's a little like montana just it has a little bit more rain and a little less snow but it has the mountains and it's this beautiful beautiful wilderness out there and yeah and the people are super nice and friendly and i mean they are everywhere but that's like one of my favorite places to to go
0: so the dish dispatch offers many services and one of which is the magazine. What is the
1: Ashtanga Dispatch Magazine? Well, we have some magazines and they, there's three. There's the first, the second and the third and each one builds on the, on the last one. A lot of them are interviews. They have exercises and tips, um, some writings and articles, just like you'd find in any other magazine. We've kind of put those to bed and now we are working on a home practice journal that, remember I was telling you about the courses, how the course our courses kind of weave philosophy, um, nature, and yoga, the physical practices as well, kind of all together um, as a way to support healthy lifestyles, as a way to support us as people, not just you know, practicing yoga, but actually in whatever endeavors um, that we are in the midst of um, and so now we are working on that. So it's half, like, half like magazine and half journal. Um, so there's a lot, so there's writing involved and a little bit of like herbology and plant and, uh, nature stuff. Like, you know, cause as you know, we're pretty connected to nature out here. And to me, this is yoga. I mean, realizing that there's no separateness, like living this close to nature and really feeling a part of it, you realize that you're a part of this. This, this, this world that we live in is an extension of who we are. We're not separate. And that's what yoga is. It's realizing that you're, a, you're not separate, that we are all connected. And that oneness that we feel in nature is that same oneness that in yoga we're aspiring to so it does weave in nature right along with it so i'm pretty excited about that and that's what i'm using my winter to do is write that
0: so how has yoga made
1: covid more bearable has it no you want to really know the truth (laughs) can i tell the truth in a way okay so yoga the okay so let's let's just define it yoga as in the exercises that you do on a mat when covid first hit and everybody was locked down and you couldn't go anywhere and like right like all these rules and it was kind of scary well but all these rules were making life so narrow right it was you were like living in this box you can't go here you can't go there you can't talk to people you have to stay inside the last thing as that I wanted to do was go stand on a rectangle mat. You know what I mean? Like make my world even smaller. And so actually the physical exercises part of it, the part that you do on a mat, I was like, I don't know. I, all of a sudden I got this like reaction. I didn't want to be on a mat. I didn't want to be trapped in another box. But so I started like, So instead I turned more towards my meditation practice, which is a little bit different, right? It's that sitting and feeling yourself breathe and being able to calm the mind. I found more solace in those quiet moments in the morning when I would just sit and breathe and settle. So my routine of waking up and having that time to myself was really, really important. The physical part of the yoga that happens on a mat needed to take, needed uh, that was not something what I needed. I got a lot more benefit out of walking outside and feeling that freedom and that space and realizing that when you go outside, nothing's shit ch- Everything's still there. You know, it, it, the world's falling apart, but the sun still rises in the morning. You, you, you know, there might be chaos going down, downtown, but you walk out into the field and it's, and it's still there. It's the same. And you breathe in that air and there's something very settling and grounding, especially being in the mountains like we are. And I needed that. That's what I needed. So the yoga practice is bigger than the physical exercises, which is like amazing, right? That's, that's, that's the beautiful thing about this practice. A lot of people just see it as you know, the stretching and the uh, the sun salutations and things like that. But it's actually much bigger than that. It's um, becoming, it's becoming present. So that was the other thing was when I wake up in the morning, instead of just hitting the ground running and not checking in with myself, I would check in. How am I feeling? You know, kind of be present with that. Let that work itself through, be there with it and process it and then be able to approach my day so being on a mat did it doesn't feel that way anymore but boy for a few months there i was like i'd look at my mat and i'd think i'm not stepping in another box like i just need a little bit more space but my meditation practice and my chanting practice was probably what i turned to more as a way to settle and find some solace Thank you for
0: talking to me. That was Megan Malqueen. She is a yoga instructor based in Bozeman, Montana. Thank you so much for talking to me. Hey,
1: thanks for having me. This was fun.
0: This Wildlife Journal be talking about the Galapagos tortoise. Charles Darwin, a well-known explorer, described them as inhabitants of some other planet. The Galapagos tortoise is an animal that lives in a place called the Galapagos. They lead a lazy life of eating, sleeping, and migrating to different parts of the islands. They are also on the endangered species list. Because of hundreds of years of bad blunders, the population of the tortoise has gone down. The ancient and majestic Galapagos tortoise is full of surprises and interesting facts. The Galapagos Islands, a small archipelago consisting of 13 main islands, are home to the Galapagos tortoise. The word Galapagos in old Spanish translates to tortoise. The scientific name of the Galapagos tortoise is Chelanoidus nigra. The Galapagos Islands are off the west coast of South America and they belong to Ecuador. The landscape varies as you get to a higher elevation. The beaches are rocky with cliffs, sand, and green-blue waters. The higher areas, however, near the volcanoes of the Galapagos are carpeted in grass and greenery. Shrubs, moss, and trees make the area a perfect place for the tortoise to eat. Across the archipelago, the temperature remains moderately warm because of the closeness to the equator. You might see a tortoise grazing alongside cattle or a horse. In fact, because of the COVID-19 virus, the Galapagos tortoise is more active in humid inhabited areas. The locals often have to move the Galapagos tortoise off the roads. As the cold, dry season blankets the upper islands with mist, the plants thrive because of the moisture in the air. The Galapagos Galapagos tortoise depends on plants to live. They live in the lower parts of the islands in the wet season, but as the dry season comes to the Galapagos, they migrate farther up into the islands to find more food. This journey is about 10 kilometers for the males. The young Galapagos tortoises do not migrate. This migratory mystery has not been answered by scientists. Stephen Blank belongs to the Max Planck Institute for Ornithology. He says, Quote, either the energy expenditure of this strenuous hike is too high, or there is still enough food available for these smaller animals. Perhaps the younger animals can't tolerate the wet, cold climate of the higher regions. Unquote. The tortoises migrate as every season comes and goes. The vegetation at the higher levels of the islands is not as nutritious, so once plants start to grow again in the lower areas, they move back down. As a result, the greenery is better controlled. Galapagos tortoises are herbivores, eating grass, leaves, shrubs, cactus, and fruits. Because of their slow-moving pace, the tortoises would probably not be able to catch meat prey. The Galapagos Islands are full of vegetation. Many animals also compete with the Galapagos tortoise for their favorite foods. These animals include the medium ground finch, marine and land iguanas, butterflies, and cattle, horses, and other grass grazing animals. These animals compete for cactus pads, leaves, and fruits. The cattle and the horses compete for grass. Even so, the Galapagos tortoise almost always does not have a lack of food. Because of their large size, adult Galapagos tortoises do not have any major threats to their survival. On the other hand, youth. Youth and small babies are targeted by the invasive species that have infested the islands in recent years. These predators include the Galapagos hawk, mice, rats, dogs, and cats. Consequently, the population of the Galapagos tortoise has gone down. The majestic Galapagos tortoise grows to be between 250 and 500 pounds, but as a baby, they are only about 3 ounces. The mother lays eggs in a hole on the beach, tediously dug by her strong back legs. This process may take days to complete. The mom soaks the hole with urine. The female tortoise does this because it helps protect the eggs in several different ways. First, predators of the Galapagos tortoise are repelled by the smell of pee. They avoid the location of the smell. Second, the hole in which the tortoise eggs are buried hardens because of the urine. That makes it harder for predators to dig up the eggs. After four to eight months from being laid, they are fully developed and ready to break out of the shell. The baby tortoise may have to work for up to a month to get out of its shell. After that, it's on its own. The gender of the baby Galapagos tortoise is decided by the temperature that the eggs develop in. Cool temperatures mean more males and warmer temperatures mean more females. The Galapagos tortoise belongs to the reptile family. They have wrinkled skin and a shell with keratin-covered bumps. The Galapagos tortoise can live to be a senior citizen in the animal kingdom. The oldest known Galapagos tortoise was 152 years old. To keep up with the ever-changing world, animals change slowly over time. The Galapagos tortoise does the same. The bulk of their shell slows the creatures down, but if you look inside of the shell, you can see that hollow pockets filled with air are embedded into the structure of the shell. This amazing adaptation helps conserve energy and makes the enormous shell of the tortoise a bit easier to carry. Across the Galapagos islands that they inhabit, Noticeable differences have been recorded. For example, the tortoises that live in the more wet and rainy areas have domed shells, and the tortoises in a more dry climate have saddleback shells. Furthermore, Galapagos tortoises have evolved to find better ways to eat. The retractable necks allow them to reach up into foliage foliage to eat certain... Tortoises in different areas of the Galapagos have longer necks and legs to reach the higher foliage found on that particular island. Others have shorter necks and legs to reach the low-growing greenery on the ground. All of this makes it so much easier for the Galapagos tortoise to find its food. When adults fight over food, they fight in a very peculiar way. They use their necks to reach into the sky. The tortoise with the longer neck wins the food, and the loser retracts back into its shell with a hiss. When Charles Darwin docked on the Galapagos, there were perhaps 200,000 Galapagos tortoises in the wild. Now, only a tenth of that, 20,000, remain. By 1970, 3,000 remained, according to the tortoise census. Numbers have been slowly rising now that the Galapagos tortoises are so protected against poachers and other threats facing the tortoises today. Two major threats were posed to the Galapagos tortoise, new invasive species in the area and poachers. After more protection was enforced, the problem of poaching diminished. Over the years, new harmful species have been introduced as humans settled the Galapagos islands. Local dogs, cats, and rodents eat newborn tortoise hatchlings. Overgrazing from farm animals brought to the island makes it harder for the tortoise to find the food another threat to survival. Some farm animals have escaped, making wild, feral herds that travel the island. Packs of goats, sheep, and horses trample nests on the beaches, and the babies, whose shells have not developed fully, perhaps the biggest threat to babies is the native Galapagos hawk. The hawk swoops down onto the sands and grabs the babies from the nest. After Darwin left the islands, with the discovery of the tortoise, sailors and pirates began to keep Galapagos tortoises for their meat. The sailors learned that they could keep the tortoise for up to a year without feeding them. Darwin himself liked the taste of tortoise meat. Even he liked to ride around on the back of tortoises, something very unhealthy for a Galapagos tortoise. In his journal, he said this, quote, I frequently got onto their backs. A few and the give. <laughs> I frequently got onto their backs, and then, giving a few rafts on the hinder parts of their shell, they would rise up and walk away. But I found it very difficult to keep my balance. Luckily, some organizations are helping. The Charles Darwin Research Center brings babies that are too weak and too small to survive in the wild back to the center. They can research while giving the babies a chance at a new life. We should do all do our part to save this threatened species. If humans continue to put themselves above the endangered species and the endangered species list, we won't be able to observe and share these animals with future generations. Galapagos tortoises are such an interesting and ancient species. From their amazing habitat, migration, pattern, and diet to their adaptations and life cycle, there is so much to learn. <coughs> it's time for our Geographical Location Challenge. In first place, we have Virginia, with 11% of all newest nerds, listeners. In second place, Ohio, 6% of listeners. And third place, California, with 5% of all newest nerds, listeners. Checking the international listeners, we have, of course, 99% of our listeners are in the United States. We also have listeners in the Philippines, Australia, France, and Bosnia, and Herzegovina. And that's it for this Geographical Location Challenge. We haven't had a musical segment for a long time, and you know what that means. This week we're going to have a musical segment, and you know what that means. That means... the <laughs> clarinet. I am learning more and more every time... Um and i have learned some holiday music as well as some other tunes that i'm going to play for you and by the way i've got considerably better so if you are driving you may want to consider to keep this on cuz you may not wreck your car okay first we have jingle bells <laughs> I forgot the name of this, but it's a tune that you may recognize. Also Christmas-themed. <clears throat> um, and I also have uh, some of the beginning... Beginner's um, tunes like Hot Cross Buns. clarinet, and I'm constantly learning new tunes. I might have... Here's another one. There you have it. That's our newest Nerds musical segment. We'll be back as I get better with the clarinet. And a fun fact. When you take your clarinet apart, you have spit dripping from the, n- the mouthpiece. And you may be able to tell that I've been playing this uh, a bit before I started to record this segment. So there- it might be a bit muffled because of the spit. That's it for this week's episode of News Nerds. I'm Ezra Graham, your host for today. Peg Queen was also heard on this week's episode. She is a yoga instructor based in Bozeman, Montana.